Doctor Strange. You think you know how the world works? What if I told you the reality you know is one of many? This doesn't make any sense. Not everything does. Not everything has to. Through the mystic arts, we harness energy and shape reality. We travel great distances in an instant. How do I get from here to there? How did you become a doctor? Study and practice. Here's the bit. There's a strength to him. But is he ready? Be careful which path you travel down, Strange. Stronger men than you have lost their way. I am death. In pain. You'll die protecting this world. I can't do this. There is no other way. I've spent so many years peering through time. Looking for you. What's this, my mantra? It's the Wi-Fi password. We're not savages. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours, the movie review program where we ask ourselves the ever-important question, Is It Yours? Today we're here to look at the brand new Marvel release, and it is Doctor Strange. To join me, I have our very own Strange Doctor, Doctor Bill Robinson. I, Mr. no, Mister Doctor Bill Robinson, Doctor Mister, Mister Mister, and take these broke. Oh wait, sorry, sorry. Uh, I miss you, Bill. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. And uh, and we have. Making his Is It Yours debut, Scott Yay. 2.0, Scott McGregor. Good to be here. A little earlier than I expected, but you you asked for crazy people that wanted to get up this early, and I decided I wanted to be one of them. Thank oh, you. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate yeah. it. I was just happy so, I, I wasn't I... organizing the roundtable for, I'm like, yeah. well, I, this, I, this, I was like literally on the verge table. of volunteering to, and, and then you messaged in, and I'm like, freedom. Well, I feel like if I'm going to do a movie review program, I have to do some movie reviews on it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a thought. I don't know. But, you know, I, I tried to set up a quick round table, and I ended up with a triangle table. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this is the 14th release wow. in the Marvel movie Dynasty. And it really is becoming like a dynasty, the way they're dealing with it. It's just unbelievable how they come out with uh, movie after movie that, at a minimum, people are saying are good. And at, at you know, best, they're saying are great. So it's and, just uh, it's been it's been a machine. Yeah, yeah. The, well, yeah, and they've got the. I mean, yeah, they're. Well, they've had their own studio for a while, obviously, you know, because but now they've got branding and 
instead of just saying Marvel, it's just Marvel Studios, and they've got that. Although I kind of miss the old music in the opening. I do too, and the comic book flippy thing that they don't yeah. do as much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, this one did start with a new opening where it was actual footage from other movies as yeah. opposed to the comic book pages. And I do... I mean, it's such a minor point to make a big deal over, but I, I agree with you guys. I like the comic book page flipping it's because... It's the roots, man. It's the roots. Exactly. Yeah. It shows you where, where this material's coming from. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, that's that's pretty minor on my... Uh... Oh, yeah. It's my only complaint about the whole movie, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I got up and walked right out at that point. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you each, uh, Bill, how did you see it? I saw it in 2D at my local theater because uh, I'm just a cheap SOB. And I was trying to get the kids to share. So you both come from the same mother. Why do I need to buy you each a $4 drink? <laughs> so, That's right. So different straws. They can do the switch straw thing. Yeah. So uh, no, no, uh, no 3D. I mean, I probably would have liked to have seen it in 3D, but uh, I, I was still happy with with my viewing experience. I did go 3D because I saw it a week after it opened and people kept saying, this is one that I would recommend 3D for. So since the 3D coincided with my availability to go, that's what we went for. But they really do hurt you in the wallet when you decide to go that way. Well, we saw it also like uh, Saturday night. So, you know, a lot of the, and I didn't really look for any reviews. I didn't want to get spoiled on anything. How about you, Scott? How did you see it? Oh, we went to a nice cheap matinee in 3D, actually. I think it was even under 10 bucks. so we've got some, some cool theaters around here that don't try to suck you too badly. Might be worth my while to drive out to Rochester. It's maybe, you know, gas stays low. <laughs> uh, I, think, I, I think that the theater that I went to was like $15 a ticket. Well, mine was about 10 for the evening, like the 6 o'clock, uh, 6.30 on Saturday. Yeah, we went Friday night at uh, 8 o'clock, so, I mean, it is prime time, but still. We did Guardians at the local uh, big IMAX uh, 3D, and I think that set us back like 20 bucks a ticket. It was pretty scary. Uh, but, yeah, it's nice. They got some good matinee places around here. It was worth it. It was parts of the movie was worth it. It's not like it, it really enhanced it through the whole thing, but the, the, the real spacey parts was, was nice <laughs> in 3D. Yeah, I mean, there was the trippy, obviously, the trippy... Yeah. Other realm, you know, scenes when uh, the ancient one is convincing Strange that what her power is real, effectively, and then uh, when there's a battlefront on the dimension where, you know, real, I guess reality is uh, changing and the the buildings are kind of folding in on themselves. Yeah. The 3D effect definitely <laughs> helps there. Turned up to eleven. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I might as well give the plot quickly. In Kathmandu, Nepal, the sorcerer Kasalis and his zealots enter the secret compound Kamartaj and murder its librarian, keeper of the ancient and mystic texts. They steal a ritual from a book belonging to the ancient one, a sorcerer who has lived for an unknown time and taught all at Kamartaj, including Kasilius, in the ways of the mystic arts. The ancient one pursues the traitors, but Kasilius escapes with the pages and some of his followers. Stephen Strange, an acclaimed neurosurgeon, loses the use of his hands in a car accident. Fellow surgeon and former lover, Christine Palmer, tries to help him move on, but Strange, believing he can regain the use of his hands, instead uses all his resources pursuing experimental surgeries in vain. 
After learning of Jan Jonathan Pangborn, a paraplegic who mysteriously was able to walk again, Strange seeks him out and is directed to Kamartaj. There, Strange is taken in by another sorcerer under the Ancient One, Mordu. The Ancient One shows Strange her power, revealing the astral plane and other dimensions, such as the Mirror Dimension. Strange begs her to teach him, and she eventually agrees despite his arrogance, which reminds her of Cassilius. Strange begins his tutelage under the Ancient One in Mordo, and learns from the ancient books in the library, now presided over by Master Wong. Strange learns that Earth is protected from the other dimensions by a spell formed from three buildings called the Sanctums, found in New York City, London, and Hong Kong. The task of the sorcerers is to protect the Sanctums, though Pangborn chose to forego this responsibility in favor of channeling mystic energy into walking again. Strange advances quickly over several months, even secretly reading from the text Cassilius stole from and learning to bend time with the mystic Eye of Agamotto. Mordo and Wong warn Strange against breaking the laws of nature, comparing his arrogant yearning for power to that of Cassilius, who believes, after the deaths of his loved ones, that everyone should have eternal life. Cassilius and his followers use the stolen pages to begin summoning the powers of Dormammu of the Dark Dimension, where time does not exist and all can live forever. This destroys the London Sanctum and sends Strange from Camartage to the New York Sanctum. The Zealots then attack there, where Strange holds them off with the mystical Cloak of Levitation until Mordo and the Ancient One arrive. Strange and Mordo become disillusioned with the Ancient One after Cassilius reveals that her long life has come from her own use of Dormammu's power. Cassilius mortally wounds the Ancient One and escapes to Hong Kong. The Ancient One tells Strange that he too will have to break the rules to balance Mordo's steadfast nature. She then dies, despite the best efforts of Strange and a bewildered, bewildered Palmer. Strange and Mordo arrive in Hong Kong and find Wang dead and the Sanctum destroyed, with the Dark Dimension already engulfing Earth. Strange uses the eye to turn back time and save Wang, before creating an infinite time, time loop inside the Dark Dimension that traps himself and Dormammu in the same moment forever. Strange agrees to break the loop if Dormammu leaves Earth, and the latter takes Cassilius and his zealots with him. Disgusted by Strange and the Ancient One's disregard for the consequences of defying nature, Mordo departs. Strange returns the eye, which Wong calls an Infinity Stone, to Camartage, and then takes up residence in the New York Sanctum to continue his studies. In a mid-credits scene, Strange agrees to help Thor, who has brought his brother Loki to Earth to search for their father Odin. In a post-credits scene, Mordo visits Pangborn and steals the energy he uses to walk, stating that Earth has too many sorcerers. Mm. And that's, that's our plot. It really doesn't do justice to the trippy nature of the movie, mm. which I think is one of the things about it. And the thing I walked away with, and I, see, when I come into these movies, virtually every one of them, you know, I don't really go in with the attitude of a critic unless I'm watching it for the second or third time. I go in wanting to just enjoy the movie. So if it's the first time I'm watching it, hopefully I kind of get engulfed by the movie and just kind of totally get into it. And I'm not really looking at it with a critical eye. And I find when I do that, a little bit of time gives me perspective on it. And often after I have a chance to sit and think about it, I either like it a little bit more or a little bit less than I did while I was watching it. Yeah. Now this one, I'm you know we're recording uh, a day and a half after I saw it, and I would say I've given it a lot of thought in, in the last day because I knew we were going to do this, and I would say over time I'm actually enjoying it more and wanting to see it again. 
to, to kind of take in a lot of the stuff that's going on because there's a lot going on in the screen in this. Yeah, just the trippy stuff is repeated. You can't look at everything at once, so especially in 3D. So, yeah, I want to definitely view that sequence at least over and over again. Yeah, I like to see it again too, but again, I'm cheap. Oh, I'm not it theater unless i get you know like a definite bargain matinee DVD price will be out in right three months probably the way things go these days yeah. there, there were so many song references i could have done during your synopsis but i but i put myself on mute but the one the one that jumped out at me was when he turned back time yeah if i could turn back time. <laughs> or uh you know and then when he has the eye of agamato yeah. domo arigato eye of agamato See, I was thinking "Eye in the Sky" by uh, oh, oh. Alan Parsons, nice, yes. deep cut, and trippy <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yes, uh, I would say this was fairly true to the source material, especially you know the general origin to begin with. Could you say Not it's so much true to the sorcerer material? The two things that I think changed fairly significantly was, you know, to initially have Mordo as more of a an ally for any length of time, because in the comic, Mordo kind of turns on the uh, ancient yeah, one very early issue, on. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, well, the first, the, the origin issue, because yeah, Strange yeah. was introduced in the origin issue was, I think, four issues later. But in the origin, he actually, you know, that that's what kind of inspires Strange to you know, to be true to the mystic arts, was he, he sees that, you know, Mordo is, uh, is actually, I think he's seeking to contact Dormammu. So we, we, we contact, you know, we took a little bit more and that's Cassilius in this. And Cassilius is, I believe, a, he's either a follower of Mordo or a follower of uh, Dormammu in the comics, but he wasn't as significant to my memory. Mm. Um, and then obviously Wong is very different in this than he is in the comics. But I would say, I would say that the, the Mordo part is neither here nor there. It's fine either way. And the Wong thing, I think, is actually for the better. I think he's a better character in this movie than he is in the comic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because if they had made him, well, one of uh, the things I heard was that the reason Tilda Swinton, that her character was not portrayed as a little old uh, Oriental man is one of the reasons is because they want this to play in China. And I think if they had made Wong as a subservient... He's- He's a little puppy dog in the comics. Yeah, yeah. If they had made him a subservient character to the Westerner, this may not play well in China either. And the preferred nomenclature is uh, is Asian dude, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me go Ernie Chan on you. (laughs) I I thought it was an interesting little... Because they've taken some crap about the whole Tilda Swinton casting thing. Um, You know, they take crap about everything. Everybody takes crap about everything these days. Uh, but I, I thought it was an interesting little nod that they did when he's first getting in there and he, he looks over at the old <laughs> yeah. man and, and thinks that must be the ancient one. And, you know, of course it isn't. It's this Celtic woman with no hair. And so I, I don't know if that was like an intentional little middle finger to the critics. I'm not sure that'll serve them well, but I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I thought the Tilda Swinton... Uh... Criticism was overblown. I think everybody, you know, on the internet wants to be upset about everything. Uh, I understand the whole aspect of, you know, you want to use, you know, diverse actors. I don't want to say minority because I don't even know that that would be accurate. But you want to use a diverse cast of actors. You don't want everybody to be, you know, white Anglo-Saxon. But on the other hand, 
when it works, I can't complain about it. Now, if, if they had brought in a, a, you know, a, a young Caucasian woman and it turned out to be really cheesy, then I'd say you have something to criticize. But when you know, the proof is in the pudding, when the movie bears out that they made a good choice, then I think the criticism should just fall by the wayside at that point. Well, see, I know her mainly for playing these weird off-the-wall characters. She's played uh, um, <clears throat> in the Constantine movie. She she was in like an androgynous a- angel. Yeah. Um, in I love that part of it. Yeah, yeah. I I thought she, she was great in that. And then I haven't seen it, but I know there's like there's like a vampire movie with her and I am just. Yes. Yeah. Is what is that called? Is it? Oh Oh, god! I started Mm. watching it once, but never finished it either. It's it's really good. But outside of these three roles, I have a hard time remembering what else she's in for some reason. She was the witch in Narnia, White Witch in the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. Okay. All right. Um, She's awesome in Snowpiercer. She's awesome in everything. I mean, said uh, even kind of you know a, a kind of load of crap that. A lot of people think Constantine was. She was definitely a bright spot in it. She just crushes it, whatever she does. I'm I'm not sure which is the movie that you're talking about with the vampires, but she has, I just punched up her uh, filmography, and she's got quite an extensive filmography starting in 1986 and working through. It's got a very non-vampire name to it. It's like what we it's not what we do in the shadows because that's a movie too. Um, Right, isn't it like... Oh, that was a funny movie, (laughs) and one day we'll have to cover that one. Yeah. And that's who's directing the next Thor movie is the guy that did that. So, mm. um, Yeah, I don't remember. It's like How We Live Together or something. It's a very mundane title. You wouldn't immediately go vampire movie by looking at it. Mm. Okay, but just the same. <laughs> uh, you know, she's, she's, she's very solid in this movie. Uh, I was sorry. I, I think from a narrative <laughs> point of view, she needed to go. But I was sorry to see her go, and that's, I think, a, a, a tribute to her acting in it, because the Ancient One could be a very bland character. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's kind of like the comics he often was. It's kind of like the trope, you know, that the mentor must pass on in order for the student to excel or yeah, to step your, up. Your, tr- your traditional hero's journey mm-hmm. story. Yeah, wizard you know, role, yeah. you know, or sage. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the mentor. Uh, but... Uh, Otherwise, let's let's talk a little bit about casting in this movie in general. I mean, I think I'm not I like Sherlock a lot, but I'm not like a big Benedict Cumberbatch fan. I think you know he's good. You're not a you're not a Cumberbitch. No, <laughs> That's I think what he's good. I, I don't I don't have any criticism of him, but I'm also not like I don't think I would go out of my way to see a movie just because he's in it. Put it yeah. that way. I think he's uh, also getting overexposed. He's like in literally everything. Hollywood always does this. You know, it's one star for a little bit, and you just kind of get him crammed down your throat. Right. Uh, but I think he nailed it in this movie. I he's definitely he... got the face for it. I mean, it, talk about, like, peeling Strange off the page. Yeah, he definitely looks the part. Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, but the, the way the character was written for this movie, I think he was arrogant, but not in the way that Tony Stark was in Iron Man. And Tony Stark, Tony Stark's arrogance in Iron Man, like, you, you understand him, and he's charming, he's appealing, even with his arrogance. The way Stephen yeah, Strange because, presented yeah. before he had his accident, he was not appealing at all. Yeah, he's actually more of a douche than than Right, because <laughs> the, the only thing they give him to try and make him a little bit more relatable or likable, and certainly to the geek pop culture people it would fit a little bit, is to have him doing that music trivia thing, you know, playing name that tune while he's operating on people. Yeah. 
but there's really very, very little that's appealing about his character. And when his girlfriend leaves, you're kind of like, yeah, you go, girl. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You can see why that one didn't work out. <laughs> if she's so, any so for him to take that character, though, and then make it an appealing character by the end and make you stay with him, I think that's that takes some some good acting. I think that takes a, you know, a certain type of actor that not – I think it's not something that just anybody could pull off. So I think he nailed it in this movie. I, I give them a lot of credit for it. What do yeah. you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the look, and you know, he obviously has the acting chops for it. But I would have preferred maybe a little more, you know, New York accent in his accent. But <laughs> it's more more of a a generic American accent. Yeah, which is you know about probably what they can all muster for the most part. Well, I've seen some Brits do some pretty impressive uh, regional accents too, but. I guess it makes sense because he would be like a prep school child and he would, you know, he'd be, you know, going to school in places like Massachusetts and things, you know, as a younger kid. So he, he would have, you know, less of maybe just the city accent. But mm. yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't distract me too much. But um, And I, I think he was actually, I just started reading a lot of the old uh, strange tales and stuff. I managed to acquire some to do some research on this movie. And he's actually a little less of a jerk than he is in the, in the books, um, which is a good balance. They show you the seeds that he actually is not going to, I mean, when he saves the person in the beginning there because the, he realizes he's not dead yet. Um, you know, I think Strange in the mm-hmm. books would have been just like, I'm not getting paid for this one. I don't think so, you know. Yeah, but even when even when he saves that guy, he does so uh, with... make More to make the other guy look like an idiot. Yeah, right, there's, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of arrogance to the way he deals with the other guy he doesn't say hey you know i understand you missed this or anything like that he's not he's not at all understanding to the guy missing this fact that apparently most people would miss yeah yeah. and 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 he you know he uses the guy as a scapegoat a little bit and you know that's that's kind of dicky uh so you know he's definitely very very arrogant in the beginning but like i said the fact that that cumberbatch is able to make him likable by the end is you know it says a lot so do you think we'll see like uh a scene maybe in, in like a later movie where Strange is in an old folks home and, you know, then he leaves and this lady goes, the doctor did a spell and gave me a new kidney. <laughs> you never know. So no, but, uh, moving, uh, oh, go ahead, Bill. Well, I just, I, when we were talk, talking a little bit about comparing him to Stark, Stark's got more of the, uh, I think more of the, he's he's got the charm mixed with the arrogance, you know, like the little bit of immaturity, whereas I don't think Strange has that, which makes him seem more dickish. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stark, Stark is just arrogant, whereas Strange is, is arrogant and condescending. I think that's, that's how yeah. I would say it. I definitely want to see those two on a scene together, though, because that's, that's like two guys that think they're always the smartest guy in the room. You know, knocking heads has got to be some good comedy there. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I think that you're probably right about that. Just kind of moving down the cast, and I wish I had Andy Leyland here to pronounce this name for me. Madge uh, Mickelson? No. Chewetel Four. Hair Metal Heroes got it down. He said it on uh, one of our past shows, and, and it was just, yeah, it rolled off his tongue, and I will never Sweet. attempt that name. <laughs> so we, we recently got to visit with him in Serenity. Yeah. But uh, in this, you know, now here's an example of them changing the ethnic background or stereotype of the character from the comics because he was 
you know, Mordo was always a white guy in the comics. You know, so. I didn't even, until you said that, I didn't even think of that. And I'm, no, I'm not trying to seem like, oh, you know. I don't see color. Yeah, I, I just hadn't really made a conscious, because I, I like that actor so much. Yes, I, I thought he was great. That, that's my point, is is huh. you can change that yeah, if you but, change it with a an actor who can pull it off. And if the role doesn't really have anything about it that says it needs to be this ethnicity. And it actually works better, because, like, in the books, he's, like, he's Baron Mordo. You know, he, he's, like, this Eastern European guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always picture, like, Bella Lugosi playing him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be, you know, I wish we could go back in time and make that happen, but... Oh, no. <laughs> we should have had Arnold as uh, Mordo. Come on, come on, Strange. I'm going to cast a spell. <laughs> I, go. oh, I can't move my arms. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, I, I do I, by the horny hosts of Haga. The, the horny hosts of Haga. <laughs> I thought he pulled off the part really well as also. I think the casting in general, I mean, I'll, I'll right before I get into repeating myself too much, I think the casting in general was top-notch in this. Uh, I, you know, he, he came off as very, very competent. He portrayed his disagreement with the Ancient One and Strange very well, sometimes very overtly and sometimes a little bit subtly in, in just his reactions to things. So I, I thought he was really solid, and you can see him making that turn that he makes at the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's so. got such an emotive face. I mean, even in Serenity, which was one of his earlier roles, I think he just, half of his acting is done silently. You know, it's just by his expression. Um, he's fantastic like that. And, and then, it's another movie where he has something he pulls out from behind his back. And yeah, that, the crap out of people that shot of him walking away was like so serenity. It's, it's not even funny. <laughs> kind of an underappreciated role or maybe an underwritten role because they had to squeeze it in in whatever time they had was uh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah. As, uh, Christine. Now, she is actually a character from the comics. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, she's, uh, well, she's, she's actually of, the night nurse. She's one of three night nurses. Yeah. Right. So we have the other night nurse in the... Uh, Netflix series, and we have this night nurse here. I don't know who's, if we're ever going to see the other one. Who's the third? The third, one? The third is Linda Carter. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, because I think that's the one that I was more familiar with. Wonder Woman. So, you think I? <laughs> you think I could have remembered the name if I was more familiar with it? Well, that's why I remember it because of Wonder Woman. It just stands out to me. But yeah, that was the third night Hello, nurse. We've seen two of three. I don't think you know. It, it would be interesting if somewhere along the line you had a cameo and and. Two of them meet each other, or all you know. If we end up getting the third one, if all three are in the same well, room at the same time at some point. Now, what what I, books was she in the uh, third one? Because I'd never heard of her. She was in the book Night Nurse. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know that. I think there were I think there were four issues of that series. I could be wrong on that, but it, it focused on three different characters. Okay. Nope. Missed I'm completely. You know, I'm wondering if for the Netflix thing, they can they got to suck in Strange for. The um, defenders, and then you could have both a night of a cameo. It would God, be I would love terrific. that. Yeah. I, I would love it if you can get him and the Hulk, and then a the third character who you don't even have the name, but some guy in a speedo. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was always any defenders I, I read. Strange was in. Those did you see? Are... Did I, I'm sorry, this is totally off topic, but what else is new? Did you see the guy painted up as a Silver Surfer surfing through New York on a like uh, surfboard that yeah. he changed? Did did you see that, Paul? No, I missed that. It's, oh my God, that costume is great. Surfer guy on, yeah. Oh man, yeah. He had body paint. His whole body was painted, you know, to look like the Silver Surfer. And he had a and he had a skateboard that was actually a, a like a converted surfboard. And he was surfing the streets of New York. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. 
We can't, Sorry. We can't talk about Silver Surfer on this podcast because we don't own the rights to it. Ah, <laughs> screw them. Screw <laughs> them. We got Dormammu, baby. Yeah, yeah, now, did, did you know who played Dormammu? No, I, you know, and I meant, um, see, I was wondering if we're going to get some re- reveal, like, down the line that Dormammu was actually Thanos because you never really saw him. You just saw, like, hmm. like, but I, I mean, I could be talking out my butt, so. I hope well, not. No, I mean, so you know, who who played Thanos? Them. I mean, I mean, uh, Dormammu. Well, unless I heard wrong, Dormammu was played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. Oh, really? Did the oh. smog thing, huh? Oh, well, that's not very... Yeah, I thought it was going to be, like, some big surprise. Hmm. Well, I, thought that, I, think that's, I think that's pretty clever, though, to have yeah. him do it. That, that apparently he mo-capped the face. It's not like you're going to be able to tell. Um... <laughs> yeah. Well, he did... Smog, yeah. actually, you can see Cumberbatch in, but I, I couldn't see it in, in, in Dormammu. Um understandably you, so you ever seen his motion capture for smog smog yeah smog. yeah i, I have so. not yeah. oh yeah he's down on the ground he's slithering around and doing the lines yeah. with all the motion cap stuff he's on him method, man he, he went oh yeah he's, dragons for a while for yeah that he looks like a giant lizard yeah <laughs> it's interesting anyway that was the only good thing about the hobbit movies i'm just gonna put that there jaws four for the never mind I am. I, I might disagree with you on that one, but we'll we'll think about maybe that. Maybe three, one. maybe three. And then uh, I guess the last character, or the two two more actors. We already kind of touched on Benedict Wong playing Wong. I just think it's great that they got a guy named Wong to play him. <laughs> yeah. I, I as I started to mention earlier, I thought it was very good the way they did change his character. I thought he was far more useful. You know, he, and he was and, a great and, straight man. He was just like you know, straight yeah. man through the whole movie. So I, I I think he was he is another one where they nailed it. And then lastly, Mads Mikkelsen as uh, Cassilius. I think he may have been a little underused as a villain in the in the movie. Yeah, he's kind of a placeholder. I mean, he's you know the the path to get to see Dormammu, and uh, I've heard I read rumors that he might come back as a, you know he was probably turning into a mindless one. Yeah, that's what that's what I wanted to bring up. Did you guys think when they were being sucked into the dark dimension, it looked like they were being turned into into mindless ones? Yeah, it makes sense. So uh, I don't know if you need to recast Mads to bring him back as a mindless one or not. I but... thought we were going to see mindless ones. Yeah. But we never did. Well, I thought there was going to be an army of mindless cause... ones on the other side of that uh, dimension. And the, well, I almost you know, thought that might be what it would. You know the the finale would be is just you know a city full of mindless ones running amok and and then we'd get kind of another Avengers type scene and I'm glad they didn't go that way mm-hmm. you know just mindless minions being mowed down by wizards felt a little too familiar I, I like how they resolved this you mean the minions from the Universal movies oh my God, yeah <laughs> <Those could be laughs> mindless ones. so now from a box office point of view it looks like this one's in the process of hitting it out of the park yeah. Uh, the budget, according to Wikipedia, which is usually based on box office mojo, so I'm going to just trust that this is accurate, is 165 million, which for a Marvel movie is not a, you know, over the top number at this point. Uh, but well, so, so far, isn't in it. That, that's 210 million if Robert Downey Jr. is in it. <laughs> well, I'm, I would imagine Cumberbatch gets a nice little chunk of change oh, yeah, himself. Yeah. But uh, the box office on it, as of today on Wikipedia, is listed at three hundred and sixty-five point six million. Oh, nice! Mm. Yeah. So it's it's well on its way to uh, not only uh, turning a profit, but probably turning a healthy profit by the time it's done. Is that uh, domestic and 
international, I take it? That's a good question. I will, uh, I'll check it out. I think it's got to be, I don't know if it's open in China or not yet. It was mostly um, like the UK and some other countries, South Korea maybe. Well, it, it, I know it did open in England because Andy saw it before yeah. we did. Yeah, so what, worldwide is $365 million. That's That's worldwide. worldwide. Yes, worldwide. Yeah. Okay. So I don't domestic know. I, I don't know what the formula is on worldwide gross because I know domestic they look for two and a half times the budget. Yeah. So and I also don't know when this number is. Well, I'm, I'm, I just clicked on Box Office Mojo. They have it as of November 11th, so that doesn't have the weekend mm. gross in there, which I'm sure is substantial. Right. So it probably isn't going to be like an Avengers size box office haul, but it's going to be you know Ant Man still making a good little profit, but. Um... For, you know, a kind of out there, not well-known property like Guardians and Ant-Man were, I'm sure they're pretty happy with the results. They haven't had a loser yet. No, they really haven't. So, uh, let's just keep moving on with elements of this movie. Uh, did either of you pay any particular attention to the score? I did. I actually, it was very stunning score, I thought. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was different, you know. It's it was uh, Michael Giacchino. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, I... I it's a little off-putting at times even, which I think might be a good thing because it's supposed to be, you know, reality is warped in this whole movie. So, you know, it's kind of the music making you kind of go to uncomfortable places. That sounds too deep, more deep than it should be. Um, <laughs> it was the first time in a long it's time. It's kind of weird for a Marvel movie because they kind of usually play it safe and, you know, good scores, but nothing really... You know, we're not talking about John Williams' 78 Superman yet. But I, but I no, like I, I I this did, a lot. I did have a tough time actually picking out, like, a Doctor Strange theme. Yeah. Well, at now, the end, during the end credits, that's where I really noticed noticed the score a lot. Um, and it was for the first time in a long time that, like, I really listened and enjoyed the score during the long end credits to get to the end credit, credit scene. Because yeah. they kept changing the style of the music that they were presenting the, I guess you could call it the strange theme in, yeah. you know, you had, uh, you had guitars and I think you had a sitar and, and other, other different, uh, stuff. It was pretty cool. And the movie actually had a Pink Floyd song in it. So, you know, mm -hmm. there you go. <laughs> well, that almost seems like it should be mandatory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they, you know they didn't go you know radio friendly either. They went full interstellar overdrive. So got to give some respect for that. Right, I'm ready. Just wouldn't have worked in this film. <laughs> I'm, re I'm ready to uh, to set Bill free on the audience here. Uh, when I ask, what Easter eggs did you guys see? Oh uh, well, I think I saw the Evil Eye, which I I mentioned to you and Andy um, when we talked yesterday. When Strange grabs something and he goes to attack um, Cassilius and he's like, ah, and he looks at him and goes, you don't know how to use that, do you? No. I think that was the e evil eye that was seen in the Avengers Defenders War, which is in a war. I know that's what it's labeled. <laughs> and uh, we also saw the uh, the stuff that uh, the the item that the cloak was trying to get Strange to pick up. Not that axe he kept going for, which was funny. That whole scene where yeah. the cloak was dragging him backwards, and he was pointing to the, like that that thing that was hanging on the wall. That was the Crimson's Bands of Sidorak. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I just thought that was more of a 
I did too, but I mean that's that's what I read somewhere. I didn't know from sight going, oh, that's the Crimson, you know. But, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, what other ones did you guys spot? Well, obviously, I mean, it wasn't a an Easter egg because they came right out and called it. They had the uh, what's called the Living Tribunals staff. Yeah, and uh... I, have, I don't I can't remember actually seeing that. Well, yeah, it, it, like the, the Mordo used it. Have, did he? Oh, yeah. okay. I I didn't realize. Yeah, I, the I, training I, well, well, yeah, but I'm talking in the comics. Was there a staff of the Living Tribunal? Yeah, I don't remember oh. either. I always thought he was just kind of because that kind of threw me off. I'm like, really? Yeah. I'm honestly not certain. I, I haven't read enough Living Tribunal right. yeah, books. It was, yeah, well, that, we got that's the, why you never saw him with a staff. Is because Mordo already had it. <laughs> that's just where I'm going to go with my head. It's like I had this staff somewhere. And I but oh my it. God, they dro- name dropped the Living Tribunal. I mean. <laughs> Who cares if the staff existed in the comics or not? I can't believe we're hearing that name in a movie. Now, now one one of the Easter eggs in the movie was that Strange kept saying during the movie, you know, why do they put the warnings after the instructions? Yeah. And then since you have to sit through the credits to get to the extra scenes, the one of the very last things, it may have been the last thing in the credits, talks, uh, is a warning about driving distracted. Oh, yeah. No yeah. way. I missed that completely. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. So that definitely goes with that theme. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think some other ones. Oh, they, they, they do mention, uh, they do mention, I believe it's the, I think it was the London Sanctum was protected by uh, somebody, oh. somebody drum who is yeah, he was possibly bro- Brother Voodoo. Brother Voodoo, yeah. Well, it's yeah. called Brother him Daniel. Okay, because Brother Voodoo was Jericho Drum. His brother was Daniel Drum. Right, and and Daniel Drum is the ghost that assists Brother Voodoo. So, yeah, so we ah. could see Brother Voodoo or Dr. Voodoo now. Yeah, there we uh, go. We could be seeing him in a future movie, and I think that would be pretty cool, as long as they don't force him too much. you gotta, you know, you got to slowly bring him along, because I think, you know, he's, well, no, I, I, I take that back. I think you can work him in, but you're going to have to introduce him. Because nobody's going to be familiar with him offhand. Uh, even even a lot of uh, you know stalwart comic readers are unfamiliar with his I'm character. I'm going to write it right now. It's that he's going to be one of the wizards that wizards and magicians, the sorcerers, whatever we want to call them. You're a wizard, Harry. Um, you know, one of the the magicians that uh, Mordo goes after in the next movie to try to get his power from him. So he has to team up with Strange, but then. I yeah, I, I would prefer because it, although he has not been an especially prominent character over the years in the comics, he is a character who I've enjoyed. I remember reading his original stories when they were in Strange Tales, and he's resurfaced under Brian Michael Bendis a little bit in the comics, and eventually at one point is the Sorcerer Supreme for our dimension. Um, so I would like him to play a prominent role in that I don't want him to be just a magical character that Mordo can't comes and takes his power from him yeah i want him to be somebody who gets by that and is actually helping strange to defeat Mordo at the end yeah that would be nice um, I, I hope they get to make the next one like that i mean i hope that was almost like a direct sequel that they're working on because I, I i'd love to see more of his Mordo. and mm-hmm. i i've seen a review say this too and it, got me thinking that this movie is a lot like the Green Lantern movie in in kind of its structure and even, you know, a lot of the scenes, you know, kind of musical training montage and things like that. And and Mordo would be essentially a Sinestro, but much better. I hadn't considered that, uh, but that is very true, only it's done so much better here. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I still haven't seen that movie. 
And I had a chance last night to buy it in a uh, cheap DVD bin at uh, Walmart for three dollars and forty-seven cents. Oh, man, it's it's you know it's a fun enough, a big dumb fun. You know, it's well, I I started to watch it on on a plane ride once, uh, but it couldn't hold couldn't hold my attention through the flight. So oh well. Yeah, it's you know it's worth seeing, but I don't know if it's worth having a space on my DVD shelf. <laughs> If that makes any sense, yeah, I was a sucker, and I'll I'll defend that way. I went out and bought like the special edition extra footage DVD even or Blu-ray. And, uh... But I, I think this was done. I, I I I had not considered that comparison until you just said it. But I I can see the the connection between the two. I just think this was done much much better. Yeah, it's just the same structure of the hero's story. That iteration of it, you know, that that person kind of becomes this. As you know, a hero story is either you were you have power thrust upon you, you know, and that's kind of what this one is, and it's almost like the same. You know, you have to be trained in your powers, obviously, by other people. So that's just similar structure. There's um, very little in this no one. Big cloud monster at the end. There's very little in this one where he's trained. Uh, you know, you have the ancient one kind of sending him off into these different dimensions to show him. And a lot of it looks like it's self-training. It's him sitting there and, and going through these books, uh, including the ones that he's not supposed to be looking at. Oh, I I've done with a little more of that, a little more, you know, yeah. give me an eighties music montage of it, but you know, him just a little more, him reading some books, just quick scenes of, you know, him trying different things. And I have yeah. a, I have a, I have a, uh, maybe we can, pose a question to our science correspondent on uh, Listen to the Prophets, Mr. Dowler. Um, all right. So during the training montage, uh, Strange is seen physically sleeping while his astral form is reading books. Yeah. Isn't the point of sleep not only for your physical body, but for your mental state as well? So if his mind is, phys- is uh, active while he's supposed to be resting – you know, would that would that affect him? I, well, I think so. He's because that's one one, one of the reasons he was able to advance so quickly is because he's not. You, you know, he's he's bur- burning the midnight oil literally. You know, if he yeah, had used the uh, time gem earlier, he could have gone back and done the Harry uh, the Hermione and Harry mm. Potter thing, and you know, gone back in time so she can study more or whatever. Yeah, I, I think what you you hit on a good point because the mind does need to rest as yeah. well, but. <laughs> he's presented as somewhat different than your average person yeah. as far as the way his mind works and his intelligence level and whatever, however you want to look at it. And they also don't make it, you know, they don't necessarily tell you that that's happening 24 seven. Yeah. Now I've also heard a lot of disagreement because I've listened to a few other reviews and I'm not, I, I haven't 100% sure seen anything official from the director or anyone else is there's a lot of speculation about the time frame that this movie takes place because of certain things that are said, specifically what happens in the car accident, and he's reviewing cases that he wants to take, and he mentions a Air Force colonel that was injured by an experimental suit. The two the two camps of thought are it's yeah, it it's Rudy. uh it was uh, who's Rody? It's Rudy. No, I'm just kidding. That's a guess. <laughs> that's a gag from Back to the Bins. If anybody doesn't listen to Back to the Bins, it's, uh, it's a gag. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Wink, wink. Nudge, Bill nudge. does it intentionally every time he says the name wrong. <laughs> Keep going. So anyway, I mean, War I, Machine. I thought, I thought War... all along it was War Machine. I never thought there was any question that that's who it was. What's the second school of thought on it? Well, and and here's I'll back up my argument for why it 
the second school of thought is that it is the guy we see in Iron Man 2 when Justin Hammer was trying out, had his experimental suits, and the one guy gets severely, uh, I you know, he gets effed up by it. Right, but they uh, reference the Avengers, so it happened yeah, after but that. That's quite a bit. Peter. That... Iron Man Two hadn't been out, or, or the Avengers hadn't yet been formed at the time of Iron Man Two. Yeah, I don't think you would have yeah. waited that long for medical. And care. also, just uh, but the I Avengers don't think until Hammer... later, later in the movie. They're, they're not mentioned until later. What what I'm they saying say is, Colonel, I don't believe that Hammer's testing of the armor at that point was sanctioned by the American government. Yeah, but that uh, it it could be a guy. I mean, possibly, possibly. Those but, test pilots are in a ditch in Saudi Arabia somewhere. They didn't, you know, they couldn't bring that evidence home with them. <laughs> I, I I think it's an interesting thought, but I just I, I'm well because in my mind I'm rejecting it and I'm going back to Rhodey. Well, because <laughs> I'm thinking if you watch now, I'm going to undercut my argument after I after I give this next my next piece of evidence, and that is. You've watched if you look at Strange through the mo- throughout the movie, progressively his, his sideburns get grayer and grayer, which you could say shows the yeah. past time. And he does grow a beard, which could take a few months. But yeah. I'm thinking that he was <laughs> actually. But, well, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking that that he was um, that he was actually training for a much longer time than we are. That you know. Maybe they should have had a calendar fly by to see. Yeah, I agree. Because I think he was there for more than a few years and that this movie did begin at the time frame of Iron Man 2 is where it began. But it ends in current day. That gives him enough time to spend that time learning the mystic arts. Okay, now I'm going to undercut my own argument. (laughs) He could. The the other argument is that he could uh, that his hair could go gray by learning the mystic arts. That it could have some side effect. Well, Wong's completely fell out, so that well, and so did the ancient ones. Yes. Yeah. Also, I mean, trauma causes people to go prematurely gray, and he's been through a lot of trauma. Right. So, I mean, that's so I don't know what the official word is as to where <laughs> does this fall. I don't know why I had. I'm trying to work out in my head this whole where does. This I'm, I'm sticking with I'm sticking with Rhodey. All right, well, I'm just going to solve it all for you now that we've stressed about it oh, for no. ten minutes. I think I'm pretty sure I. I think it was the director himself or maybe a producer that came out and addressed these things and you're, you're partially right i don't think they confirmed or denied the roadie thing i think they kind of played coy on that there was apparently another one that someone was speculating was maybe captain marvel right with the lightning well, i was, yeah, I was just gonna ask there was yeah the woman with the implants although i don't know of captain marvel having any implants yeah, no, that's... I was that going to ask you guys who you think that, that might be. That would be a complete departure. You know, that was a clickbait site. I mean, that would be a complete departure from any origin of hers in the comics, and it wouldn't, you know, really address the cosmic power type thing that she has going on. Um, but they did say something to the effect of, yeah, when the movie ends, it's actually a little farther in the future than we are now. It's not present day, so... Um, thinking it's closer to whatever's going to happen in Ragnar- Infinity War. In, uh... Or maybe Ragnarok. Yeah, because I mean, I, well, I, I assume think like the, that, the mid-credit scene is yeah, I got to think that that in the middle of Ragnarok seeing somewhere. Doctor Strange in Ragnarok. Yeah, mm-hmm. that scene we might see that scene wholly intact in Ragnarok. I hope they do. That would be a nice little crossover because I love that scene. I love that Strange is like keeping tabs on on superpowered people and you know probably particularly the ones from the Nine Realms. They're they're coming to New York. <laughs> it's kind of the, the 
the immigration. Well, he's, he's because remember, for superheroes now. <laughs> this is the first time we've seen Strange in the Marvel c- Cinematic Universe, or at least well, the first time we've seen him, but not the first time. Right, he's been because raised. he was also mentioned his name when uh, Civil War was going on. When in the, no, in Winter Soldier. Yes. Yeah, so oh, sorry, cool sorry. Yes, yes, too, yes. That he would yes. already be established as maybe the superpowered guy by the time Winter Soldier rolled around. So, well, I don't even know if that means he's superpowered because he. You know, he was a, uh, a prominent neurosurgeon. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, you know that that could do things that other surgeons couldn't, as seen by him. You know, removing that bullet from the guy's brain. You know, before he before he had his accident. But uh, you know, I gotta think that that woman with the uh, cybernetic uh, implants has got to be referenced somewhere eventually in this in this movie world. Yeah, yeah. It seems very much much too specific. For them to just have it go by and we never hear from it again. See, this would that would have been a perfect opportunity to reference something that's happened on like Agents of Shield, and then us Agents of Shields fans could have been like, I know who he's talking about. Well, they're, <laughs> I mean, they're kind of getting a little crossover with, with magic now because in yeah. Agents of Shield. Well, wait a minute, Paul, where are you in Agents of Don't Shield? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about spoiling. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, it's, it's been main press. Well, because they inter- in it. Well, plus they introduced the Darkhold. Yes, I, I've seen the Darkhold, so I'm yeah. that far into it. Uh, did they mention the Darkhold in this? I didn't no. hear it. Was it just Vishanti? I think Vishanti was the book that that uh, Cassilia stole the pages from. Mm-hmm. I yes, I no, it's the book of Cagliostro, the the time oh, book. Oh, 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 okay, you're right. So, uh, what do you guys have as far as nitpicks or things you didn't like in the movie? The only thing. I think I brought up my main one was like, where does it, where does it actually take place? You know, I'm trying to, trying to. And and I'm going to combat that thought. Not that I disagree with you, but I'm going to combat it by saying, I think they need to, at least to some extent, make these movies somewhat self-contained. And while you, they could have given us a little bit more to solidly place it on a time frame. I also think you can't spend too much time on that because you need, to have it, you know, something that somebody can watch it without having seen the other movies. Yeah, it's that's not as probably, necessary with this one. I mean, yeah, this... that's probably where some of the others have failed slightly, and it doesn't bother me because I've seen all of them multiple times. But if somebody hasn't seen them and they come into it, like in Civil War, if you come into that having not seen any of the other Marvel movies, I think unless you're just looking for a bang-up fight scene, you're going to be very confused as to what they're all talking about. Yeah, Ant-Man mm-hmm. was the same way. It was, you know, more... They they had the I could have done even without the Avengers scene in that movie because I thought it was such a good standalone. Um, yeah, but I love that, that place that <laughs> it kind of firmly in in Age of Ultron time. But um, yeah, I kind of like it better when they when they don't have to adhere to some kind of timeline going on. I don't think they should. It, it gives them a little more freedom. I think. So. About the only nitpick I would have, and it's just personal choice, and I understand why they didn't do it, but. Man, I would have loved to have heard a couple, you know, spells bellowed out by Cumberbatch, you know, by the hoary hosts of Hoggoth or, you know. But I get why that doesn't doesn't, work. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't work in a real time. It works on the page where you get to see him say that in one panel and then does his in the other. But, you know, in real time, it's like it's going to come down to who can say their spell the fastest, who's the best wizard, I guess, so. Well, they don't want to do it. I I think they made a conscious effort to do it differently than it was done in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't think they wanted it to mm. be saying a spell. I think that's why they came up with this different way of, you know, moving your hands to have that energy come. And that's always been a Doctor Strange too, the sigils that you draw with your hands. But I mean, I just, yeah, you know, said it's the old strange fan in me that just would love to see the big operatic bellowing of spells. <laughs> but I mm-hmm. guess I know why it doesn't work. Nope. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, the, using the Stan Lee language a little bit more. But yeah. uh, I guess from my perspective, and this is one of my nitpicks or criticisms of Doctor Strange as a comic character, as well as a movie character, is I always want to feel like his power set is just a little bit more clearly defined yeah. than what it is. Because if if you don't clearly define it, you always leave open the option of a cheat oh, we never told you about this power that he had to, you know, banish somebody to wherever. Yes. You know, that that kind of thing. I, I really kind of always wish I had a better handle on what his power set is. Yeah, and they set up a pretty big cheat at the end of this, too, to beat Dormammu that you got to think, you know, boy, he could just keep going back to that and the world will have no well, more problems. <laughs> well, do you, do you think... Um... You know, because Wong and Mordo lay down the law about that, about, oh, there's consequences. Will there be some consequence for what he did with manipulating the time stream? I'll, I'm betting maybe it'll uh, make uh, Thanos' ears prick up and be like, hmm, did I just hear somebody use the Infinity Stone? Yeah, I think it's going to make him oh. aware of it, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Now, I, I that figured scene... out how they're going to get away with... Uh, um, I like that they emphasize that you can imbue things with your powers because i think he made his his wristwatch kind of a reserve time stone so when you know thanos comes and yanks it from him um hopefully leaving him alive he can still like use his watch for timey-wimey stuff if he wants to mm. i don't know maybe oh <laughs> now that that whole that whole plot point of him uh creating that loop i thought that was a very very clever way to go yeah. because it, we didn't have the knockdown, drag out fight with the uh, big bad in the movie, which I don't mind when they do that. But it is such a commonly used trope that it was nice to see them go somewhere else with it. And the other interesting aspect of that is they don't really tell you how many times that time looped. Right, right, and, and it's when you when you when you consider it from that perspective, that could have been hundreds of years that yeah. they they you know, or millions of times or whatever. That was you know basically that was uh, Strange's penance, I guess, for his yeah. arrogance that he it, you know he, you know that's Tony Stark going up uh, with the missile at the end of the Avengers movie, you know, finally yeah. sacrificing himself. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and I nice. I just I walked you know we walked out of the movie and I and I was saying I thought that was. Very, very clever to go that route. Yeah, and not not even getting remotely political here, but I've seen T-shirts already that says "Trump, I've come to bargain." <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I I gotta I gotta give my t- tip my hat to the cleverness of that. I like yeah. that. <laughs> A big orange face up there. Well, that would be Dormammu. There you go. <laughs> and then, what what do you think of the portrayal of Dormammu? How he was shown on screen? Unusual, obviously, compared to the comics, but I liked it. Um... Jesus, you know what it made me think of? And, and Fantastic so Four? I'm, That's what it made me think of. A little bit, but no. He's got a huge head. Just, oh. Maybe it's because I was seen it in 3D, but the first thing that jumped in my mind was uh, Lawnmower Man for some reason. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. just, it's kind of the same facial, I, I don't know. I yeah, I, I kind of would have loved to see the big flaming skull, but they're kind of doing that on Age of Shield now, so I know why they, I understand why they kind of did something weirder, and I, I think it worked very well. Um, 
because some you know being like that shouldn't just be a guy standing in a spandex with his head on fire it should be this massive you know other dimensional thing that and i think they established it was nice that they established that there's no way strange could just beat this guy you know that as you said paul they didn't have the big knockdown drag out where the hero just ends up winning he had to literally sacrifice possibly an eternity of just getting killed over and over you know groundhog day in the worst way <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, oh yeah and he kept he was getting speared he was getting burned he was getting squashed much like your comparison to the Green Lantern movie, where I felt it did have a similar structure, but thought that it succeeded here, where it, to some extent, failed there. I did have the same comparison with Fantastic Four, as Bill said, you know, with, when they did Galactus. Yeah. And here, I thought it succeeded, where there, I thought it failed as well. Now, I would not have minded if we saw that vision of Dormammu, and then if the story had brought us somewhere where he then gave himself a, a continence where yeah physical form where he looked similar to the comics with the burning head and everything i would not have minded that i also didn't mind that the story didn't go there yeah but i would think in a future movie if you decided to go back to the dormammu well you could have him take on that type of form uh you know for the sake of communication or whatever you know whatever reason he might choose to but the, you know, you, I don't think you're locked in with the you know the you know Galactus is a uh, cloud. Yeah, I, and I just want to say that I hate the internet because I was really trying to avoid spoilers, and I didn't really know. I, I knew there'd been hints of it, and I knew we would probably see Dormammu, but I didn't know for sure. And then literally a day after it opened in <laughs> freaking England, there's people putting it right in the headlines, and you know, Dread Dormammu and Doctor Strange was played by this guy and i'm just like i'm not even clicking on you you jerks you know i uh, i was spoiler free on that but i would have been really really surprised if we got the movie and we did not see dormammu yeah me too i mean it was one of those things i was hopeful for but i figured yeah, maybe they'll set it up i knew they'd at least set it up and then maybe we'd see him in the next one but i would have loved to have gone into that not knowing he was actually showing up i also expected to see clee who we didn't see well, see, man, I, I feel so bad for Rachel McAdams because she is a great actor, and I'm sure there's a ton of good stuff from her left on the cutting room floor, but it's they should have just gone with, like, generic actress number 10 for that role because she just didn't have enough to do, and there wasn't anywhere to put more for her to do. And I'm glad they didn't just do the standard... I'm glad they didn't go, like, damsel in distress stuff and, you know, do the well, whole yes, romantic Yeah, she was, she was a much I, more capable person. Yeah. I think but, a lot I mean, of... I was kind of hoping they were going to make her Clea and have moved forward with that but i think a lot of stars want to just get little roles in these marvel movies just for their their you know their kids their relatives you know the college just... fund yeah sure yeah um... <laughs> there was a one other th- uh, thing that that i don't want to say drew me out of the movie but just bugged me and that was once Cassilius became a disciple of dormammu that funky purple glittery eye crap why did it have to have glitter on it? It just looked really <laughs> weird. It just looked psychedelic and like Ziggy Stardust on yeah, it. But know, it was just, just it, but it just it it that was one of the only things that pulled me out. I was just kind of like, why can't that it was just eroding be... away to becoming a mindless one? I, that's that's I, what I kind of saw it as yeah. that, that his guess. body was starting to you know take on some new form because of his you know his his dabbling in the dark arts. Yeah. Now, it would have been interesting if they had shown a little something on uh, 
Tilda so Swinton of that yeah. nature. Maybe well, that's where her hair the, went. She did get the little red thingy that lit up when she manipulated, uh, when she drew on the Dormammu power, on the Dark Dimension power. Yeah. Mm. Her, and now, does this guy, link, is this going to link, the Dark Dimension link to um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with uh, the Dark Force? Because that because on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I guess this is a spoiler, sorry, Paul, it, they did bring up... Anyway. They, <laughs> they did bring up Agent Carter yeah. and what happened in that season and, right. and about how this they're to like, well, this could be linked to the Dark Force or this negative dimension. And so I don't know if that's where... I, I think it probably does because I, that's how I, I really liked how they explained the magic and that it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're drawing on dimensional powers, you know, so... Yeah. And, and Angel of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Darkhold, which is this mystical book, taught these people this quantum physics experiment. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, so it's <laughs> it's weird. It's it's well, not this... just hocus pocus. It's There's actual quantum science behind it, I guess, in a way. There's, there's two more things I want to hit on that I'll, I'll feel bad if we end up wrapping this up without getting to them. And we're kind of up against it a little bit on time. So I want to ask you guys, what did you think of the Cloak of Levitation? Oh, it's great. Beautiful, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I don't remember it having such a personality in in the comics, and it was nice that it that they gave it one here. Yeah, that was it a little very much Potter-ish. reminded me of the magic carpet in Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. I think a little, just a little too much. Although I have to say that, uh, you know, the kids they loved it. That was like yeah. their favorite character in the movie. So yeah, I I'm can't sure. necessarily say it's a bad thing, but I never saw the cloak of levitation as being sentient and. Yeah. Here it's kind of presented as such, which I don't know some, if I like that. Yeah, well, some the, great moments in the movie. Him beating the crap out of that one henchman, you know, or him. The, oh, the yeah. cloak. Um, well, we the, don't know if it's a him. I don't want to label him. It. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the tear wiping scene. Ah, the tear wiping scene was apparently um, Benedict's idea. Uh-huh. To have the cloak wipe his tears when he when he flips up the collar and he's all bad and all of a sudden it goes zip, zip. <laughs> didn't take me out of it. I mean, it, it's perfect for the way they they set this movie up in the tone that you know we're dealing with very weird forces here. So why not have a sentient cloak? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm okay on it from a from a movie point of view, but from a comic point of view, it just kind of struck me as hmm, the cloak doesn't do that. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I just want to touch on quick is the uh, astral plane. I oh. thought that was. Very well yeah. shown, if inconsistent. It was. I, they never really established he could bust out of it and talk to people. You know, that was kind of sudden. Well, the, well really they did in, me, but... in the oath in the book we just covered for the score episode because that, that scene where uh, he's being operated on in the oath, you know, that was kind of pulled straight. Yeah, and he probably has in the comics too, I suppose. Um, it was it was inconsistent to me in that you know they're going through walls, but then they're knocking over tables. Yeah, yeah. If if, yeah. if, if, if you have no substance, then you don't have substance for a table either. You know, True. so it's just kind of inconsistent in the way they did it. There, there, maybe there should have been something where you you know they had to kind of like solidify a little or something. I don't know, but it it, it was just it seemed to be. They were solid when it was convenient, and they were, uh, yeah. you know, ethereal when it wasn't, or when it was also convenient. But when yeah. I first saw that first scene where she punches his soul out of his body, basically in the in the first trailers, I, <laughs> yeah, that was like, oh yeah, they they got that right. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I definitely thought the look of it was awesome. Yeah, and you know, the whole concept is great, but I think the concept in the comics has been somewhat inconsistent also. They they are not necessarily clear as to who can and can't see him when he's in an ast- on the astral plane and when, you know, 
it, it's something that is used often as a convenient thing uh, when they can. But still, I okay. thought it was portrayed well in the movie, and I enjoyed it. If you know, even with the nitpicks I had about it. My only other nitpick is I could have stood to see this one be a little darker, maybe not necessarily less humorous, because the humor came naturally as they do in most Marvel movies through just like interactions with other people. But I don't know when, when I first heard they hired you know a horror director for it, I thought they we might go a little more Lovecraftian, you know, maybe a little darker place, things with tentacles, who knows. Oh, um, your Cthulhu obsession, Jesus. Yeah, I know. I, know. I thought we might I, see some I Cthulhu serve my elder things. god whenever I can. Um. <laughs> so uh, we're getting to the point now where i got to ask you guys, is it yours? Oh, wait, 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 just two huh? more quick things. Go ahead. And it's just on the visuals. I just, it was, um, yeah, I said quick, and now I'm just locking up. Um, the Inception-like... <laughs> Um, stuff with the fight scenes and stuff was awesome um, and very it was a little more innovative in that it was more interactive than we saw with Inception you know that was just like turning stuff on its edge and, you know and just rebuilding stuff this was like using things to kill people in that in that mirror dimension that they were fighting in and the um, the scene at when he was turning back time and they, they were breaking out of it while everything else is going backwards and they're going forward and they were using the rebuilding scenery, like when he trapped, um, yeah, yeah. trapped the one person in a fish tank and trapped yeah. another person. So, all right, all right. Yeah, the battles are fantastic in this. It's something <laughs> we've never really seen before in a Marvel movie. And yeah. It's kind of jaw-dropping. And that's going to be one of the things I'm going to talk about when I give my Is It Yours rating. But let's move on to You'll Is It Yours. You'll have to refresh me on, on how we... And- I like to give the scale every time anyway, just yeah. so people can understand, because the scale is not necessarily uh, indicative of the actual Jaws movie. For the purposes of this podcast, Jaws is a classic film, one of the all-time greats, uh, very, very little, if anything, to criticize. Jaws 2 is a very, very solid movie, worth worthy of uh, multiple viewings, uh, you know, not too much in the way of problems, but not necessarily a classic. Jaws 3, very watchable, but, you know, not something that really stands out. And Jaws 4 is a piece of crap. <laughs> Scott, see, why don't if, you go first? What if we're the one person in the world that actually liked Jaws 3 better than Jaws 2? Well, again, it's not necessarily indicative of the Jaws movies. Because <laughs> I actually like Jaws 4 better than Jaws 3, but that's besides the point. I'll, I'll go with the Jaws 2 because I'd probably put the Avengers as Jaws. Um you know, it's kind of the pinnacle of the, the superhero movie genre. And so this is just slightly under that. So I guess we'll have to go Jaws 2 on it. Um, you know, is it a classic as far as the Marvel Universe? Definitely. It would be Jaws in that category. But overall, in filmdom, I think we got to go Jaws 2. There it is. William? Um, yeah, I, I I would agree with Scott that this is, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not Jaws 1. It is definitely a Jaws 2. I guess you could say it's like maybe an underbite. <laughs> oh, sorry. Bad joke, bad joke. But, uh, um, yeah, visually stunning. I would have liked to have seen it like an IMAX 3D because I heard like a, there's about an hour of this that's filmed in that in that format. So, um, yeah, I, I give it Jaws 2 all around. Okay, well, now, you know, going into this, I try to avoid spoilers on all movies. Uh, and the spoiler-free reviews I heard about it 
basically tried to present it from the point of view of, uh, you know, Marvel has its formula, this fits the formula, and it's a good movie, you'll enjoy it. And I think that really sells it short. I don't think this is a formulaic movie. Marvel may have its formula as far as how they sit down with their uh, creative minds to put together a movie, but I don't think the movies fall into a formula. If anything, I think it's contrary to that because we see a lot of different genres that are uh, embraced in these movies. So that was something that was a happy experience for me because I started thinking I was going to see a very formulaic movie and I did not. I walked out and I said, this was solid. This was really enjoyable. And then I had to give it some time. You know, I spent a day and a half thinking about it and I was trying to say, is it Jaws 2 or is it Jaws 3? And ultimately I landed with you guys on saying it's Jaws 2 because the more I thought about it, the more I enjoyed it. I think it's a thought provoking movie. I think it's very well put together. I think it's very well cast and I think the acting performances are really, you know, solid. So I definitely give uh, a thumbs up and recommend this one. And that said, I want to thank both you guys, Bill, Scott, for coming on and spending a little time with me going over this movie. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much. Anybody listening, uh, if you want to give in your input, uh, the email address is jawspodcast at gmail.com. And please feel free to uh, write in, tell us what you think, and uh, we'll see you next time. <sighs> Gotta be kidding me. Where is this guy? Hi, I'm Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts. Sorry I'm late, but the traffic on the astral plane was unbelievable. It's 3.30. You were supposed to be here at 3 o'clock. I'm not paying for the last half hour. <sighs> nice to meet you, too. Now we dispense with a small talk. Show me the demons. All right, here they are. I don't understand. Are they possessed? Basically, they ate like 50 cupcakes. All right, I'll I'll vanquish them. Oh, no, no, what is it? No, no vanquishing. Just pull a rabbit out of somewhere. Do tricks. A rabbit? Yeah. Look, I think there's been a misunderstanding. I don't do tricks. You don't do tricks? No. Hey, this clearly says the mightiest magician in the cosmos. You know, everyone exaggerates their LinkedIn profile, don't they? I mean, look at yours. Jimmy Kimmel, America's favorite late night host. Well, that's true. Is that not true? Is it? Hey. That is a really cute necklace. Is that Etsy? Do not touch the eye of Agamotto. Idiot. Sorry. Hey, you know what? I don't think this is working out. I think I'm just going to take this money and hire a SpongeBob or something. Thanks for coming. How much? $150. Wait. I have an idea. Next. Happy birthday to you. Where's Marcus? Marcus? Oh, he went home. He disappeared. Do you want to go home with Marcus? No. Be quiet.